Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Blue and Orange Football Podcast. I am your host, Jacob, over at Rochism13 on Twitter, uh, R-O-A-C-H-I-Z-M-1-3. I am flying solo today. Isaac has, uh, he is off deer hunting on a nice, well-deserved vacation. Um, he will be back with me next week. Uh, I do need to explain our slight ab- absence and also why I'm recording on a Sunday uh, pregame. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, week 13 of the NFL season. Uh, over the Thanksgiving break, we would, did not record. There was a bit of a COVID scare in my household. Uh, uh, my wife and I both uh, ha- had come in contact with coworkers who had tested positive. Neither one of us tested positive. Neither one of us ever had any symptoms but we decided to quarantine and uh, set out the fam- the Thanksgiving holiday and the festivities out of an abundance of caution. And to be honest with you, I am very happy that we did. Uh, so that's we weren't able to get that week recorded in. And then Isaac went on vacation. Uh, we went through the process of adopting a dog. And life just kind of happened at me real quick this week. And we weren't I wasn't able to record until just now. As we're going into uh, the, the the morning of uh, the beginning of week 13, as there was not a Thursday night game uh, this week due to the COVID situation. So I've got a couple of football games to talk to you guys about, Browns-wise. I'll even dive in a little bit uh, on Isaac's Giants, uh, because I know there's maybe one or two people out there that do listen to this for that. Uh, not Probably many more than that because that's about half of who do, does listen to this total. So anyway, here we go. Um, I'm going to go take you back to week 11, the Browns matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. And honestly, I'm going to start with the Eagles here. Uh, my, my youngest brother, Simon, is an Eagles fan, and he, he said, hey, make sure you talk about him. So I'm definitely going to talk about him there. Um, I want to talk about that. Like, listen, I think the Cleveland Browns won that game. But I do think there was plenty of opportunities out there where the Philadelphia Eagles lost that game. Um, and, and as a Browns fan uh, for the last you know 25 years or so, uh, tr- trust me, I, I know wholeheartedly about teams losing football games. I, I remember 0-16. I remember Deshaun Kaiser. I remember Brandon Whedon. Uh, I remember thinking Brady Quinn was the answer. Uh, that guy had more muscles in his face than I have in my entire body. But, you know, here we are, Okay. Uh, we're with our best quarterback we've had since 1999. Uh, Baker Baker's wins the last two weeks have gotten him to 20 and 20 as a starter, which I don't think anybody's anywhere near 500. I think at one point, uh, I believe that Brian Hoyer might have been still been 10 and six as a starter. Of course, he got screwed over as did Mike Pettin with the whole Johnny Manziel experiment. Let's not go down memory lane. This year has been fun. All right, so he, we're going to talk about the Eagles, and and I'm wondering like we always love what coach Doug Peterson has done. And we think he's a great coach. He has a super bowl. Uh, you know, he's a good offensive mind, but honestly, right now I'm having a lot of tough time when I watch, uh, the Eagles and the decisions that are being made by Doug Peterson. And, and, and I mean, I think going into this year, we would say he's a top 15, top 10 coach. And right now I just don't think that's true at all, which is it, it, very sad, but, Carson Wentz is holding onto the football. Carson Wentz is second guessing him. So you know what Carson Wentz seems to be doing? He seems to be doing what last year and early this year Baker was doing. He's double clutching. He's holding onto the football and getting set. He doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him. So the holding onto the football, as long as he is holding onto the football, it, it just, I mean, 
if you have the best offensive line in the league, and by according to Pro Football Focus, the top-rated run blocking and pass blocking uh, offensive line, it does live in Cleveland, Ohio, and, and you have that line in front of you. It's it's one thing to hold on to it, but he's got so many missing pieces in. You know, now Lane Johnson done for the year, which is just unfortunate because that guy battles and battles and battles. It, you just – I don't know why you would hold on to the football the way he's holding on to the football. And it, it feels like even when he sees someone, he does that little double clutch and he holds on to it and he won't let it rip. And, and when you're not letting it rip, you you float it out into the flat and see only talkie-talkie takes it the other way for a touchdown. I'm sorry there's – uh, subtle little breaks in my conversation as I will be sipping on to coffee. It's very early in the morning. Um, normally, I don't drink until Isaac's touching it. And I've already learned in the first five minutes of this podcast that uh, <laughs> it's a lot harder to run a show a little solo when you don't have someone to play, play off of it. As far as I know, Isaac is going to be back from his vac- vacation. We will be back to our regularly scheduled programming on Thursdays starting this week for your week 14 matchup. So uh, we have put the, the the picks on hold for the last couple of weeks because uh, Isaac, we weren't able to record a couple of weeks ago and Isaac just wasn't, he said he had been out of tap this whole week. He was taking this time to recharge and, and he just didn't feel good about making some picks. And since we have a wager on the situation, I decided that that wasn't going to go on. Listen, I don't know why we're not seeing more of Jalen Hurts. I saw one snap of Jalen Hurts a six-yard run, and I'm not saying that Carson Wentz is done. I think Carson Wentz, you ride out this year, but if you're Philadelphia, if you – this division was gift-wrapped to you. Gift-wrapped to you. And now the New York football giants, that's right, them New York football giants are in the first place in the NFC East. I I have a hard time believing if Doug Peterson does not win this division that he is the head coach of the Eagles last year next year. And I don't know if if I'm an Eagles fan if I want him to stay if he can't figure this out. I mean at this point you're 3 7 and 1. Uh you're a half a game behind the 4 and 7 uh Washington football team and the 4 and 7 New York football giants. But uh I mm, I have a, a tough time, especially with the way the Giants have been playing D all year long. Daniel Jones is stop, is it, it has stopped the bleeding on the turnovers, albeit Colt McCoy. That's right. That Browns fan, that Colt McCoy, will start today in his place. Uh, Colt's the kind of guy I think he could win a couple of games for you if he has to. I think Joe Judge has this team believing, and I think it's a good shot down there. Uh when that Eagles game started against the Browns, I thought, man, this is a going to be a long game. They were handing the football off. They were running the football. It, it was gashing the Browns. Uh, and I thought, man, this is this is going to be a long game. They're just going to run the football. And here is where I get into the issue of play calling. This is where I find the ownership on Doug Peterson. And that is to say, Doug Peterson stopped running the football. That first drive, my listen, Miles Sanders very well in that game should have had 35 carries. I mean, if Kevin Stefanski was calling that game, he would have called a lot more run plays. 
the Browns weren't stopping it. They stopped it a little bit in the third, late third and fourth quarter. Mainly that was because, you know, the game was getting a little bit out of hand. They were able to stuff the box, that sort of thing. But I just, I, I spent so much time just wondering what Carson Wentz was thinking and what Doug Peterson was thinking, thinking like, there was no point that game that I ever feared the Browns were going to lose it. And I don't believe the Browns are that much better of a team than the Eagles because the talent is there. They're a much better coached team, a much better prepared team, and they execute a lot better than the Eagles. But purely on paper, the Eagles should very easily compete. But at no point did I feel like that game was ever in question. And and I got to say that that is – incredibly refreshing to be on the to be on this end of out coaching when I have never seen a Browns coach out coach anyone uh including a wet paper sack uh so that I mean here we are here we are we're looking good and and I just say I just say I don't like the idea of moving on from Carson Wentz because it scares me because of the money. You gave this man so much money. I heard this. My dad was telling me about, um, I can't remember who it was. It was a national guy and it was on Dan Patrick's show this week. And they said, Hey, who would you take Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield? And for the first time, and, and and the question is right now, not in the beginning right now, who would you take Carson Wentz? Baker Mayfield, and for the first time I've heard it, the national media, there's been some people that have said that it would be Baker Mayfield, that they would take Baker Mayfield. Right now, that is who I think you should take, because right now Baker Mayfield is playing very well. Carson Wentz is a shell of himself. At some point, I don't know that you have to bench him completely, but a bigger package and more of an attempt to see what Jalen Hurts has, I think is appropriate. Um, yeah, I, this is going to wrap – I'm going to wrap up the talk for, from that game and move on to the Jaguars game. But as I do that, I would like to, to ask the sort of thing that – this is where I, it would be helpful for me not to be holding the, the podcast by myself concurrently, but – this is back-to-back weeks, and I think it goes on to both sides a little bit, especially in that Eagles games, because there were some questionable calls that went in favor of the Browns. But I really need to know, do we feel like the officiating this year has just been awful? Text me if you have my number. Get get at me on Twitter. Comment, you know, email us, you know, contact us. Go over to the YouTube page. Send us a, sh- a shot up there, uh, you know, Roachism13 on Twitter. Let me know. I want to know what you think about the officiating because it, it, I know we were told kind of early on that we that the officials need a preseason too and that we thought it was going to be somewhat sloppy and, and stuff like that. And, I, and that's fine. That's fine. I have no issue with that. I agree with that. But now we're in – and in the games we're ta- – we're in week 13 now, but the games we're talking about occurred in week 11 and week 12. I don't watch a ton of games outside of the Browns. Of course, when the Browns are on, I don't watch any of the other one o'clock games. 
sometimes I, I play D&D on Sundays at 4, 4, 35 o'clock. So I'm out for those games and I'm getting kind of old. I don't stay up for a lot of the primetime games. But I did watch the Wednesday afternoon football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. And I thought, man, I don't know. Is it, is it something I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Because I, I understand that I have bias. So if a call goes against the Browns that I don't like, I'm going to say, ah, man, the officials are terrible. But they, when the announcers with you say, oh, what was that? I mean, that that lowering the helmet, that fourth down call against Olivier Vernon that ends the game, ends the game because it's a turnover on downs. The Browns run the football out. They still win the game. So I'm, you know, they, they get a touchdown, but they still win the game. So I'm not totally, what is going on? Am I the only one? Am I being a crybaby? If I am being a crybaby and you're saying, nope, the officiating's fine. You're dumb. You're just crying. You're a homer. Get over it. I will get over it. But I honest to God feel like, especially these last couple of games, some of these Browns calls that, I mean, I literally, literally, that fourth and inches, they held up their hands and said there was a gap. There was no gap between the end of that pylon and that football. That was a first down. I don't understand. I don't understand how that's not a first down. And then there's a sizable gap in between the football and the marker in the Pittsburgh Steelers game, a gap I can actually see and you gave them that first down. I've told my dad about this a million times when it comes to these phantom holdings or the no hold. I, the holding, I really wish. Uh, the Browns apparently sent in a memo to officiating and, and asked, what, uh, what is holding? What is holding? Can you do the spot? Because we have 11 cases of it against Olivier Vernon that you didn't call. Which honestly, to me, I love that, that a team is like, hey, <laughs> Why you why you letting them cheat? Well, that's what that's what breaking the rules, right? That's why that's why the penalties are in there. It's because you've broken a rule. So I love the Browns brass and the coaching staff for being like, hey, what are you guys doing here? They they broke the rules. You're not calling it. And and these a couple of the, those two calls against JC Treader, you know, I know that I'm a little biased and I get a little angry. I never want any call. But as I've said, me and my dad have had this conversation. As I said, if you're going to call that, be consistent. I don't feel like the officiating has been consistent. It's a penalty here, but when that other team does it, it's not a penalty. Or even when the guy does it, let's say a Browns player does it 15 times, you call it twice. Well, if he does the exact same thing, it should get called every time. And I mean that on both sides. I mean that if J.C. Treader holds 15 times, he should be called. I don't think he held it all in this game. I think holding can potentially be called on every play. We've had that conversation. I, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I'm going to move on from the officiating, but I would really like, and I'll bring this up on Thursday when Isaac gets back and ask him what he thinks about the officiating this year. And, and then what, what can we do? I mean, what can we do? All I want out of officiating, I've said this, I'm saying, excuse me, I'm saying it again. I just want consistency. 
If you're going to call it now, call it on the other team and even call it on my team again when they do it again. I mean, it, it, it's plain and simple. If it's an issue now, it should always be an issue. Plain and simple. That's what I got to say. That being said, I love what I've been seeing out of the Browns. I love what I'm seeing out of Baker Mayfield. Pick up his fifth-year option. That's where I am. We'll get into a deeper conversation on Baker Mayfield, I think, at the end of the season. But right now, I'm just saying 19-29, 258, two touchdowns. That's his last game stats. Uh, I will take that every single week. With the rushing attack we have, that's all you need. I think Baker Mayfield is playing great football. Uh, let me let me let me tell you about something. Baker Mayfield has not thrown an interception in 123 straight pass attempts. Let me repeat that. Baker Mayfield has not thrown an interception in 123 pass attempts. That's amazing. Baker Mayfield is playing, winning football. All right. Now, we're going to move on to my pod, my phone, where I save these. It's a weekly thing. You guys are aware. I like to go, I like to save some stuff in here and um, some stats and some tidbits from around the NFL. Uh, I've got this first one here from a guy I really respect, like a lot. If you haven't checked out Pete Smith's work over at Sports Illustrated, Browns Digest, please go do that. Uh, I think he is a very knowledgeable, uh, very fair critic. Uh, of football. What I really like here is he quote tweeted something about uh, that Dan Orlovsky had posted about a three play stretch that he really liked from Baker Mayfield, who hasn't turned the ball over in a month, other than the strip sack by uh, Fletcher Cox, which was a very good play by Fletcher Cox, but he has not thrown an interception, I guess, is what we're getting at. Um, May- Mayfield is improving steadily. This is why Stefanski is confident in him because he's seeing the game at a high level. This is something that I think is, is a very underrated fact. He, one of, I think, his biggest issues uh, with pressure, with being what people like to deem a one quarterback, with, with all of these issues that Baker Mayfield had, I think it was because the game was too complex, the game was too fast, he wasn't seeing the field right, he wasn't seeing the adjustments you were making, he wasn't seeing the coverage that you were changing to after. That's what Pittsburgh did that messed him up so bad, they showed you one thing pre-snap, changed it post-snap, and, and, and then of course that daunting pass rush can really screw with a lot of people as we saw uh, again, Wednesday. Baker is seeing the game at such a high level. That is where it's very, very crucial. He is seeing the game at a high level. He is he is making the right decisions. The, the missed throw to Higgins. I, I want to say that that missed throw to Higgins, and he'll admit it, his mechanics were all messed up. Higgins was not his first read. Now, he should have seen when Schobert rolled off and they went oh, both of them went over to the corner on Landry and he was – that Higgins was wide open. Nobody covered him, but he didn't. And he turns the ball. He doesn't reset. He he kind of you know pumps it, and then he f- sails it high. You can't miss that. I know you can't miss that. But the best thing about that is that missed throw was mechanics. He made the right decision. He made it too slow, but he made the right decision. Okay. 
this is something from Brent Sobolewski. I like him a lot as well. He said, don't let an awful, horrible, no good throw cloud the progress we have seen from Baker in the most recent weeks. Yes, he's still inconsistent. His decision-making can be baffling at times, yet incremental improvement should be used as a positive. Me and Isaac have talked about this a million times when it comes to our quarterbacks in Baker Mayfield and when it comes to the quarterbacks in, in New York in, in Danny Dimes. Show me progress. Continual progress give me reason to believe that Baker, and I think we're seeing it with a full off season. He had to learn a new offense on Zoom, guys. A new offense on Zoom. His fourth offense. His fourth play caller. His third head coach. Fourth head coach if you count Greg Triple G. I am slowly getting closer and closer and closer to saying I absolutely need a fourth year of Baker Mayfield and even a fifth. That is where we're at. We're getting closer. We're getting more progress. I'm in love with him again, in case you're curious. Haven't tweeted him in a while about my love. Probably happens today. That being said, we're moving on for that for a second. We're going to move over to something right here. Uh, Nick Chubb is sixth, sixth in the league in rushing right now. Uh, Nick Chubb has played in seven games. Everybody else in the top ten has at minimum played ten most of them have played 11, and you even have, I believe, yeah, Ronald Jones has played 12. He's fourth. Sixth. Nick Chubb has played seven games. He is in sixth. 719 yards. I know this narrative. We don't play running backs. We don't pay running backs. Pay this man his money. Period. That's it. No questions asked. Pay Nick Chubb. I'm done. I'm not even going to talk more about it. That's that's how simple that is. Done. Moving on. Hey, let me let me ask you a question. You want you want to do a fun stat? We're talking about Baker Mayfield. Here's some notable quarterbacks who have thrown more interceptions than Baker Mayfield so far in 2020. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. Tom Brady. Russell Wilson. I've heard he's the MVP. I'm not disagreeing. Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan. Jared Goff. Josh Allen. Also an MVP candidate. Kyler Murray. Also an MVP candidate. Matthew Stafford, who I have heard that apparently Cleveland, local Cleveland sports radio has decided that we need to talk about a quarterback change in getting Matt Stafford when we're eight and three. Shut your mouth. Kirk Cousins, Philip Rivers, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz. Now, we we will admit Carson Wentz is having a horrible year. I don't know if he's fixable. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. And I do understand that that's also the issue with Cam Newton. We don't really know what's going on there. Well, Baker Mayfield has less interceptions than all these guys. Baker Mayfield has played every game. Don't forget that. Don't try to come at me with some some random tidbits. Um, as if you didn't love Nick Chubb enough, let me remind you that uh, he was asked what goes through his minds his mind when he sees the playoff standings, and he told them uh, nothing at all. I love Nick Chubb more than anything in the world. Okay. So Baker Mayfield hasn't thrown an interception, 123 consecutive pass attempts. That spans five games. During that stretch, he has seven touchdowns, 106.9 quarterback rating, and AFC Offensive Player of the Week, and the Browns are 4-1. and one. You're about to play two very good teams. You put up those numbers. Those are not crazy numbers. Put up those numbers. Do what you did last week today against the Titans. Let's shut some people up, Ake. I love you, Six. I think we are destined for even better things. Baker said after the game, we're 8-3. and three. We're not satisfied. Best thing about this team. Also, he said a Ron Swanson quote. 
I thought I couldn't let Baker Mayfield more. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a huge Parks and Recs guy and a huge Ron Swanson guy. I had a Ron Swansonisms poster in my chew in Afghanistan. Baker, I want you to play well today. I want you to play well on Monday night next week. I want to I want to be 10 and 3. The world can end. Browns get to 10 and 3. World can end. Apocalypse can happen. My life would be satisfied. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life, right now, outside of football. And if you can give me football and give me all three facets of my life, well, I think that would be just great. Sorry, I had to step, step over the door and come unlatch. I had to close it. It's getting kind of cold in here. So... I also want to point out that um, the Lions have donated a ton of money to Deshaun Watson's charity to thank him for cleaning house. Now, let me just say this. They go out there and they, they, they pay money. I don't care what it takes for people to be – to give, uh, give money to charity. But by God, is it hilarious when it's, when it's a situation <laughs> – such as this. I I don't know what's going on, like why this needed to happen. But it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, this is a thing I was going to read on the podcast, um, I think Thanksgiving week, but I uh, wasn't able to do it uh, since we didn't go in here. Here's a startling improvement in the penalty department from 2020. Last year, I think this um, may have been at this point in last year. I don't have – but last year the Browns had at this point 87 penalties for 822 yards, and we remember the 16 penalties against the, the Titans. Uh, but Freddie Kitchens doesn't teach – he doesn't coach penalties. Uh, in 2019, at this time in 2019, um, to 57 – 57, that's 30 penalties for 526. Now, apparently there are penalties are down across the league, but that is a huge decrease. That is a, that's credit to the coaching staff and the players for a different brand of football. That is from my man, Jake Burns, over at the OBR Film Breakdown. I love Jake Burns a lot. He doesn't know who I am, um, so I shouldn't call him my man, but he is amazing. If you don't check out the OBR, you need to, as well as Pete Smith's work and, and Jeff Lloyd's work on Lockdown Browns, as well as Pete's stuff over at Sports Illustrated. Um, I just got the notification. There was a positive test overnight in the NFL, but all games are a go today. Uh, I don't know what that means. Here's the problem. This is what we have heard for the first time on game day on positive test on a Sunday. This is the first time. And this is breaking news, so I'm going to throw this in here. If this leads to a lot of positive tests this week, the NFL has a problem. I realize we are so close to a vaccine. We are so close to the, the process of finally getting uh, to start opening things back up once we're able to disseminate this vaccine. I like, I both liked and hated what the NFL did as their approach to Baltimore. I don't like what they did. I, I understand that the ball, that the Denver thing with the quarterbacks had to do with, uh, 
it was negligence, and that's why they were trying to prove a point. Well, we found out that uh, that outbreak in Baltimore was negligence as well. And if they had just pushed Denver back to Monday, they could have had, I think, at least one of the quarterbacks, I think, would have been cleared if he had like, tested negative or whatever it was. And I understand it was an outbreak. We contained it. We got to finally play the football game. Once they play against, weirdly, on Tuesday, um, they'll be set to go play the Browns on the following Monday. And hopefully, as they've stopped getting so many positive tests, you know, we'll see there. So, real quick, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans today. Miles Garrett will be back. He says he he talked about how he was just so fatigued and so tired while he had COVID. Uh, said he's just so confused at how he got it. I think that's the scariest thing about this virus. As he's like, I don't go out much. I go to the games. I go to practice. He said, I may have got it at the market when I was getting groceries. Which he, he's like, I was wearing my mask, you know, everything, things like that. But he believes that's probably the most likely scenario. I mean, he could have got it from the facility because they did have a couple more positives after that. Uh, although he did not, was not in the whole week. He ended up testing positive. Listen, Miles Garrett is going to be enormous today. If Olivier Vernon can play half as well as he has been playing in Miles' absence, like he, when he had his three sacks and a safety and a pass defense against the Eagles, oh my goodness, would that be amazing. I think the Browns win today. It comes to a Cody Parkey kick. Um, it's been a fun solo show. I think that's all I got for you today. We'll be back to your regular scheduled program on Thursday. So I love you guys, and as always, go Browns.